0: I look at a laundromat today, but then tomorrow I look at a self-storage facility. And then the day after that, I look at a multifamily apartment. And then the next day I look at triple net leasing. The odds of me finding something that pencils out or is a good investment when I look at one in each asset class each week, the likelihood of me finding something successful is really low. Welcome to School of Success, the podcast that will help you reach your goals and become the success story you've always dreamed of. Join us on our journey as we explore the strategies, tools, and tactics needed to build health, wealth, and personal development. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to living life to its fullest with host Brandon Hicks. So let's get started and make your dreams come true. Welcome back to School of Success. Today, we're going to talk about establishing your investment criteria, sometimes referred to as a buy box. So what is your investment criteria or a buy box? That's essentially determining or deciding on what specific properties you're going to be looking at. And investing in. And so that would include things like the price, the size, the number of doors, the location, market demographics like income or population growth, things like that. And I'll go into each of those. Why does this matter? Why do you need to establish this? One is to communicate with brokers. So you don't want to reach out to a broker and say, hey, send me your best deals. I'm looking for. Uh 200-unit apartment building. They're going to say, what class of property where? The better that you can define the criteria, the better they are going to be able to help and serve you. Also, the less defined, I think they'll question your seriousness or your experience level if you're coming to them with, just give me your best properties that are value-add. I'm looking to make 15% cash on cash return. They're going to say, hey, everybody's looking for that. Everyone wants that good of a deal. So by being better defined, the broker, when they come across cross the property that matches your exact criteria, they'll be thinking of you. So that's one reason. The second reason is that it helps you be focused. In real estate or a number of other asset classes, there's so many opportunities out there that it can be very easy to just look at a lot of things, but really make no progress. You are spending time doing something and it feels like it is productive, but it's not. Because if I look at a laundromat today, but then tomorrow I look at a self-storage facility, and then the day after that I look at a multifamily apartment, and then The next day I look at triple net leasing, the odds of me finding something that pencils out or is a good investment when I look at one in each asset class each week, the likelihood of me finding something successful is really low. Also, the more I spread my attention thin like that, the less I can learn about each of those asset classes. And so it would be harder for me to spot a good deal. So by narrowing your focus and really just looking at a subset of properties within a certain asset class, it allows you to become an expert in that quicker. And it allows you to kind of put the blinders on and not look at anything else that could distract you, which sometimes we call a shiny object syndrome. So that is why you want to have a really well-defined criteria. So for me in self-storage, I'm looking for facilities that are between a half million and five million million. The reason I established that criteria is because I looked at how much money is it going to take, or how much capital do I need to raise to, take down a property of a certain size. And so with a $5 million property, I might need to raise 30% because I can get a 70% loan. So 30% is about 1.5 million, maybe have to raise some money for CapEx and reserves. So I'm looking at maybe around a $2 million raise, which would be a lot for me, but I do have partners and others who have focused on capital raising that I could work with and partner with to take down a deal of that size. Now that's probably the upper end of where I would want to be right now, but in the future, as I gain more experience, as I increase my network, I might be able to push that to 10, maybe let's say $20 million. If I was to look at a $20 million property and decided that I wanted to put an offer in and that got accepted, now I need to raise probably six to eight million dollars, which is a huge jump for someone who has never raised before. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do that. Uh, I'm not saying that's not possible. It certainly is possible. But for me, in my focus, I just didn't want to work on taking down deals that were that large. And I wanted to keep them in a range that I thought made sense for me. So it's that amount of money that you would need to come up with or that capital that you need to bring to the table that will start to help you determine what price range you would be looking at. So that's that's how i establish my price range the next thing would be size of facility so for me i'm looking for facilities that are between 20000 and 50000 square feet And roughly the way I came up with that one was matching it to the price of the facilities. Now that varies quite a bit across the country, but I wanted a facility that had enough square footage and enough units that one, I had the scale so that when I raise rents, I get that nice exponential increase that we talk about in commercial real estate, right? You've got 10 bucks a unit, a hundred units that scales very quickly. And then when you divide that by the cap rate to determine the value increase of the property, again, you're multiplying it by something like 50 and you're getting this really nice scale in the property. So that was part of what went into me determining size. Another thing was the model that I want to use is with a property manager who does remote operations. And with that comes a certain fee associated with that. So I knew that I needed to have a big enough property that would kick out enough revenue for me to afford that property manager. If I was willing to put my time into actually executing the property management role myself and learning how to do the auction, and to do the overlocks and to do the marketing and all of that. If that's something that I wanted to do, I could actually go probably to smaller properties, which kicked out less revenue because my expenses would be lower, but I would be taking on a lot of that work. But that's just not what I want to be doing. I would rather focus on building relationships with investors, building relationships with brokers and owners, and then finding deals and adding to my portfolio and having a property manager who's very experienced run the asset. That's much more in line with the type of investments that I want to be making. Another important piece of the criteria is the age of the property. In self-storage, there wasn't that much development before the 1970s, so you're not going to find too many facilities that are that much older than the 70s, although you might find some conversions up here in the Northeast there's a lot of old mill buildings, cotton mills, textile mills that were converted actually to self-storage. So the storage units themselves might not be 100 years old, but the building itself, the foundation, the windows, the roof, all of that could be older. So that's something to keep in mind. And with older properties comes potentially more risk and potentially higher capex. So that's something to be thinking of. But on the other side of that is the newer properties are going to be more expensive upfront. You're going to have a higher price per square foot if it was recently developed, but your capex budget is probably going to be lower and your risk with that property might be a little bit lower as well, at least in terms of risk of issues arising because the building is newer. You want to bookend that and say, okay, I'm looking for properties that are from the 1970s to the 2010s. That's what I'm looking for. If we start to get into the 2020s, now those are really new properties, generally looking for higher price per square foot. And then that probably means I'm going to be getting lower returns as well. It's kind of like how in multifamily with class A newly built properties, you're not generally going to get 10% cash on cash return, you might be looking at more like 5% or 6%. And for me, I'm more interested in properties that are 9 to 15% cash on cash return. And where you're really going to get that is by buying value-add properties, properties that are 20 years old, haven't been updated. You need to put some work in to increase the value. But once you do, you can really scale the value of that facility very quickly. That, again, aligns more with my investment strategy. And so that's why I'm looking at properties that are in the 70s to the 2010s, because I know that generally those are gonna need a little bit of work. Kind of in line with that is, again, that value add. So I'm looking for facilities that maybe don't have a website. They don't have automations or technology added to them recently. They might not really have a strong online presence. They might not do marketing. They might still take cash payments they don't offer insurance. So I'm looking for facilities that really have not optimized the revenue within that facility and really have not reached its potential. And so again, that would make it a value add property. And that's something very important to share with a broker. If I was to say, hey, I'm just looking for a property, they might say, well, do you want something that was just built and is already stabilized and you don't really want to do any work? Are you looking for something that's 30 years old and needs a lot of work? It all depends. Like some investors just want to do turnkey, brand new. They don't want to deal with capital and they would rather the consistent lower return over time with a little bit lower risk. And so that really depends on what your interests are, the work that you want to do and your skill set. And then that kind of, for me, at least defines a lot about the property, but then I also want to share some information about the markets. So I've got a couple of states that I'm interested in, and then I'm looking very specifically at those markets for population growth, want to at least be flat to growing. And I'm looking for about 30,000 people in a three mile radius or 50,000 people in a five mile radius. Now that's really like a benchmark. It's not a deal killer if it's slightly below that, but that's really where I'm targeting. And so if I share that with a broker, they'll know, okay, I probably shouldn't send him a deal that's in rural Kansas because there's only going to be a couple thousand people in a 10 mile radius. And so he's not going to pursue that deal. I shouldn't send that to him. So that helps again, to just direct, the broker and yourself as to what deals you should look at. It's something that I'm able to quickly look at on an OM. I see a deal that comes across in a certain state and it might not be in a city that I'm familiar with. I can quickly go search on Google that city and see, is the population flat, growing or declining? And what is it? And if it's like a thousand or 2000 people and say, okay, that's outside of my criteria. I really don't know how to operate a facility in a market with that number of people. I'm going to move on to the next one. And so now I really quickly can move on to the next and not think about that again whereas if I did not have that criteria defined I might look more into that spend a couple hours on that property then start questioning the population say geez I don't know is this something that I can actually handle how do I know that this is going to have good long-term performance and now if I choose to pass on that deal now I've spent hours looking in that and it was kind of a waste of time so that's why you really want to have a criteria like that established. And then, lastly, another piece of information that I look at is the median household income. I've touched on this in other episodes, but specifically for self storage, you want to make sure that your customer base has disposable income and that they can pay for things that need to be stored at your facility. That's another thing that you can really quickly check and also share with a broker so that when they're putting together their offering memorandum, they're also doing this work to see what's the local market look like. And if it is outside of your range, that might prevent them from sending it to you. Now, neither of you waste your. Your time. So by summarizing all of that into like a succinct criteria, you can really easily communicate to the broker what it is that you're looking for. And so having that really at the ready, either when you're on the phone with a broker or by email is really helpful. So I actually have an email template that I will send out to brokers. I'll come across an offering memorandum on a website like Crexy or LoopNet or the broker's website. We'll analyze the deal. And then a lot of times it won't work, right? We're looking at a couple hundred deals before we find one that really makes sense for us. But I want to let the broker broker know that I looked at their deal and that it didn't work for us for these three reasons, then I want to remind them of our criteria. And so I have a couple sentences in there at the bottom of my email that just says, and by the way, here's our property criteria. If you come across anything matching this criteria, I'd love to take a look. And then I list out size, age, price range, the market demographics that we talked about. And I make sure to put that in there. And then generally I'll get a response that's great. Thank you for sharing that. If I come across anything, meeting that criteria, I'll let you know. And so that has worked well for us to generally get deals from brokers that match our criteria and are worth us spending our time on. I think another important thing to think about is that this property criteria does not have to be set in stone for your entire life, right? When I was getting started, I remember thinking, how do I know that the low end should be 20,000 square feet and not 25,000 square feet? Like what should I pick? And really, again, you don't want to be too broad in your criteria because the more specific and focused you can be, the better you can learn that type of property and act quicker on that property, especially when the market is hot and there's a lot of investors, a lot of cash in the market. People are moving quickly on these deals, making offers, sometimes multiple offers, and there's bidding wars. You want to be able to act quickly and you can act quicker when your criteria is more focused, but it's not important so much to debate. Should it be hundred units or 105 units, right? You pick that criteria. And then over time, as you start putting the reps in and you start learning, seeing more properties, you might start to learn that none of my 20,000 square foot facilities seem to pencil out because I'm not making enough money to support the model that I want to use. Maybe I really need a bump this up to 25,000 square feet. On the upper end, you might be saying, I keep losing out on these 50,000 square foot facilities to the big players like life storage and extra space and public storage. They seem to be really interested in these 50,000 square foot facilities. Maybe I should just bump this down to 40,000 or 30,000 just a little bit. So I'm flying under the radar of where all the big institutional players and the people with a lot of money and a lot of experience are playing. So you'll start to pick these things up over time that you won't really learn until you just get in the game. So I wouldn't worry so much about the fine details of that criteria. I would pick something that is relatively defined and then start using that and then you can tweak it over time. Hey, I appreciate you listening to another episode of School of Success. I'm committed to helping others reach their full potential. So if you found value, please leave a five-star rating and review. With that, we can reach more people and help make their dreams come true.